Welcome to the Dream Out Loud family, where young entrepreneurs come to learn the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan T. Nelson, a former carpenter who created financial freedom by the age of 23 and have since spent my time traveling around the world living my dream life, inspiring, educating, and teaching other young people how they can do the same. Each and every week, I'll bring you the most epic guests who are going to share their stories, wisdom, tips, and tricks on how they've been able to create a life by design. Here at Dream Out Loud, we're committed to helping inspire and educate you to be able to execute your full potential. Okay, today's guest is a speaker, a multiple six-figure earner, a mom, an author, and a conscious sales gun. Being born in a poor lifestyle in the Philippines and being sexually abused at a young age, she has had so many excuses not to perform well, to not believe she's worth it, and to play small in life. Yet, she's gone to use these things to her advantage, use these challenges and as a launch pad for her success. After discovering her love for self-development and sales when she was becoming a real estate agent, she went all in and became one of the top five salespeople for her entire company just at the age of 22. Through many years of seeing people sell in a bad, cringy way, she decided that she wanted to do things differently in a way where people left with either decision that they've made feeling happy in the deal. This took her down a path of growing her own conscious sales and speaking business, which is called the Institute of Conscious Sales, where she is helping people grow her biz- grow their business from zero to six figures whilst shifting their mindset all around sales and helping them do it right. So please, guys, help me welcome the woman who went from being a child actor at the age of 10 to working in a juice bar to now a multiple six-figure boss mum helping others scale their business through conscious selling and author of her upcoming book, The Naked You, A Guide to Embracing Your Imperfections in Life and Business, my friend, the naked coach, Nina Concession. Woohoo! <coughs> that was so amazing. Thank you. Man, you know what? Like, when I started this podcast, I was like, I'm going to give everyone the most best fucking intro. And I'm going to read it. And every time I'm like, this is so hard for me to do because like my dyslexia sucks balls. And like, it's like, so hard for me to read and so <laughs> it's oh, like amazing. every time I redo an intro I'm like oh, it's like it's like I'm sweating bullets <laughs> <clears throat> you did awesome so good to see you you too are you excited I am very um I'm I've been really excited to have you on here the first time we met so guys it's important to know uh Nina and I met I was at an event speaking and this is how our friendship formed <laughs> she I, I said something didn't I? I was like guys you need you need to get deep with your passion or something like that and she's like Which yeah level of commitment I yeah there was four different levels right yes that's yeah. right so four four levels of of action is there's um blaming complaining and justifying sorry there's no action there's no nothing blaming complaining and justifying and there's some action then there's all that massive action I'm like you get all in with it and she goes yeah you need to get balls deep <laughs> and i said what's your name i like you we can be friends <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. i love it so you know, how are we gonna do this i got a few rapid fire questions i'm gonna hit on you I'm going to hit on you. I'm not going to hit on you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to fire at you and then we're going to jump into it. Cool. Cool. So, where did you grow up? I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney, Australia. Nice. And where do you live now? I live in the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. Great place. What is your favorite food? Mm, I love pasta, pizza. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm, not tacos? No. Oh, I'd like tacos. But I love pasta and pizza. Okay. That's yeah. okay. As long as you still like them, we can be friends. Yeah. 
Uh, what uh, if you could have any type of superpower? What would it be? Mm, that's a great question. I've never been asked that before. I'd really love to fly. You love to fly? Yeah, that, that'd be pretty freaking yeah. dope. What is your X factor? Mm, I feel that my X factor is coming from real estate and being in such a male-dominated industry. I have learned to find myself even throughout all the external pressures of being in a male-dominated dominated industry, being in real estate, being sexually abused. I feel like you can put me in any situation and I'll still be me. Yeah, that's, that's freaking awesome. Uh, what was your dream job as a kid? I wanted to be an actor. Ah, oh, and you did that for a bit? I did. What happened? I found personal development. <laughs> I loved that more. So, <laughs> so would you say the, your dream or your passions then shifted? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, right. Aid, what you're doing now, is it your dream job or dream career? Mm, it's funny because I think that it's a constant evolution. I love what I do, but at the same time, I feel like as you step into that next version of yourself, another version reveals itself. And for me now, something that really excites me and something that I see as the future vision of me is doing more speaking. Yeah, cool. I love it. Uh, who's someone that's inspired you to get to where you are and why? Hands down, Brendan Bouchard. So, Brendan, I met back in 2012 or 2013 and I was in real estate at the time. And I sat there in the audience with only a couple hundred people. I was probably one of five people under the age of 25 at the time. And I remember listening to him speak and I felt like my entire body was just vibrating. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm here to be a speaker and a coach and an author. And I had never had any ideas of that previously. And so I definitely would not be here if it wasn't Brendan. Wow. So so he so so inspired or showed you that speaking and all this is actually something inside of you that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Instantly. It mm. was it was like something hit me. So that's interesting. So so you want to be an actor when you're younger and now it's, which is so funny because when I was really young, I was like, I want to be I always visualize myself like on stage, like playing music mm. as an entertainer. And now it's sort of channeled into like speaking at, at events. Yeah. Do you think that was the real core of what you really wanted was actually sort of to be that in the spotlight, like giving value in some sort of way. I think that one, what I loved about acting is I loved moving people to emotion. Mm. And when I realized that I could do that being me instead of playing a role and that I learned to love myself throughout the process, I thought, why would I want to be someone else? Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to chat to you today about a couple things. One, all around conscious sales and what that is and how people can do it and why they should be doing that. Yes. But before we get into that, I want to hear a little bit more about your story um, because, you know, growing up in the Philippines, being sexually abused, um, you know, I imagine that you've probably had so many past things and reasons as to why you couldn't mm -hmm. and you've somehow broken through that and created some epic shit. So what has been some, I guess, mindset battles and stuff you've gone through or if there has been any? Mm, definitely. There's been a ton of <laughs> challenges, um, especially mindset-wise. So when, when I was in primary school, I started to have recurring nightmares and I realized that I had suppressed memories of being sexually abused. And when I started to have these memories, I started to fall into depression. I started to play the victim. No one understands me. You don't know why I'm so pissed off. You don't know who I am. 
And it wasn't until I got to a point where I started to spiral down. I started to physically hurt myself. I thought about killing myself, even though I never actually brought myself to do it. But I thought to myself, if I do not do something about this, if I do not talk to someone about this, I will probably go down that path. And I finally decided to tell a couple of my friends. I told my parents. And from that moment forward, I no longer played the story of you don't understand me. You don't know what I've been through. Um, And I stopped being so angry. I was such an angry child. And so I would say that's one of the, the biggest challenges that I've had to move through is not playing the victim. Mm. And that's what so many people love to do, right? So how come it's important for people to not play the victim? And then what's the opposite of playing the victim? Mm. I feel that when we play the victim, we're relinquishing control of our own happiness. Because if it's someone else's fault, then there's nothing you can do about it. But when we take self-responsibility and we realize that it's up to us to change how we feel and to interpret or make something positive or something negative that that, that's happened, we can take back control of our own happiness. And I found that regardless of anything that happens in my life and my world, when I can remind myself that it's up to me how I feel, it's up to me how I respond to it, then my life is dictated by me. How I feel is dictated by me and no one can take away that happiness from me. Yeah. And with with the event when you were younger, how did you, I guess, how did you take responsibility over something like that when it would be so easy to be like, well, this happened to me yeah, and, and all of that, right? Because I'm sh- so many people could be listening to this, uh, like, I don't know what the statistics are of of people being sexually abused About young. But four in five. Yeah, it's fucking high. Yeah, it's a lot. It's insane. So, <clears throat> how, how can somebody... It would be so easy to sit in that and be like, well, how did I create this? This isn't my fault. I'm not taking responsibility over this. How do you kind of, how did you do that? That's a massive question. How controversial can we get on this podcast? We can go whatever the fuck. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't care. See, I care about results. Yeah. So I care more about people's re- results in life and their future than I do their feelings. So when people listen to this, if they're like, well, that rubbed me the wrong way, that's fantastic. I challenge you to kind of go, sweet, what can I learn about this? Because if something's been come up, it's it's surface for a reason, right? I love that. So I'm all, I'm not I'm not about being controversial in a way of being like we should no one should get vaccinated. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Like do whatever you want in that. However, yeah. if it's for people's highest good, yes. and become the best person they can, and removing all the crap from the past, yeah, then I'm all for that. I love that. I actually talk about this in my book. Um, what? So first and foremost, I. I didn't know that I would feel the way that I feel now. If someone had told me that this is this would be my perception even a decade ago, that I would have confronted him twice, I would have forgiven him, I would have interviewed him for my book. That's you not interviewed something him in your book. I did. Right. Yeah, so I, the interview is going to be in the book. Um, that's not something that I could even fathom a decade ago, or even mm-hmm. you know, a year before it actually happened. And for me, and I find with a lot of people that have been sexually abused, we go from playing the victim to realizing that it's not our fault to finding love for ourselves. This is the ideal, in my opinion, finding love for ourselves. But then as I've found spirituality and as I've found myself and as I've worked with plant medicine, I have felt and I have found within myself that I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that our soul chose and chooses everything to happen in our life for our evolution. 
So my take on the entire situation is that I know that my soul co-created that experience so that I could do the work that I'm doing in this lifetime. It doesn't mean that I wish that upon anyone. And a big part of my vision is to do my part in eradicating child abuse and sex slavery. So it's not like I want it to happen to people. However, I have learned to be grateful for the experience. It's a reason why I didn't do drugs growing up. It's a reason why I never put myself in a situation where I could be raped. I, I, I didn't put myself in a situation where peer pressure was going to get to me because it, it, it got to me when I was younger. And I made that commitment to myself at a very young age. I'm never going to put myself in a situation again I never want to be in. I would rather everyone hate me rather than me do something that I'm not happy with. And so I have grown because of that experience. I have taken that experience and I've made it a positive. I believe the reason why I'm so strong-minded and the reason why I don't give in to peer pressure is because of what I've experienced. And I, I do believe that it's a co-creation of my soul and I've, I've learned to be grateful for the experience, but at the same time, knowing and believing that it should never have happen to anyone else anymore. Yeah. And there's so much power in just taking responsibility of everything good and bad because- yeah. You take away all that and then some people could be listening to this and being like, well, still blaming the person or whatever. And, and we can be talking about many different things here. But it's important what you said before. It's like you're giving away your power. Mm-hmm. And from that, when once you do take responsibility and you've taken it as like, which I, I'm assuming has been a launchpad because it's like this is what had to happen in your life. It's like the way you've been coded, which I, I believe it's like everything's happening perfectly exactly how it is and you're not going to like the journey. <laughs> But you're always gonna get. You're always going to get to where you're meant to be, and you can't control the journey, but you can control the end destination. Yes. And I learned that. Um, I shared heaps of times where I got seafood poisoning in Bali because I manifest. I was like, oh, we're staying at this resort, and they kept having those things fuck up. And I was like, I, I want. Uh, I just said to my girlfriend at the time, I said, hey, imagine if we could get like this place for free because everything keeps going wrong. <laughs> really high end resort. <laughs> Really high-end resort. I was like, hey, I'm going to manifest. Let's just get this place for free. And then they come out and they said to us, like, hey, we're so sorry about everything that's been happening. You can come and have a seafood dinner on us tonight for, for both of you guys. And I was like, wow, it's awesome. <laughs> Go down, oh, no. pick it out, seafood on the beach. It's amazing. I got sick as fuck, like violently ill. And then, yeah, you bet your ass we got that place for free. <laughs> <laughs> but if I could have chosen, if I had, if I could have looked at me like, oh, I'm going to have to get that's sick to get for free, I would have been like, okay, I'm just not going to worry about it. Yeah. So, so it's, it's like that. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. When you do declare this is what I want, I'm going to make this decision, you're going to ask all these things to happen, but they're strengthening you. They're molding you along the way for exactly who you need to become. And something one mentor said to me one time, he's like, I truly believe, I don't know where he got this statistic from, but he's like, I truly believe that 20% of everything that happens to you is for you and it's 80% is for you to be able to teach somebody and help them through that in the future. I love that. I love that, and it's yeah, it's just, it's just so it's so freaking important. But this this is a, I, I'm I'm curious to know. So it all happened. How how did did talking to him and interviewing him, uh, help at all with the healing and all this, or did you mm. kind of already have it done? That's a great question. Or did it bring anything up? Yeah. So would you recommend people do that? <laughs> I believe that people need to trust themselves because. With incredibly violent people and people who they have, um, let's say, one of the worst cases, if they don't feel safe in that situation, then I wouldn't say that they should go and do it. I think people yeah. just need to be discerning and trust their own intuition. Um, so the event happened when I was about four or five. So I was quite young when it happened. And I started to have recurring nightmares 
can I ask how did how did you hunt this person down? Like did it's a family, distant family member. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it happened when I was younger. I started having recurring nightmares about it coming into my teens. And the very that was the very, very first time we confronted him. Because when I told my parents we it, there was this massive thing that happened and we ended up confronting him, even though that wasn't the plan. And it was really the first time in my life I really had to grow up. Like I remember when I was like 13, 14, 15, people would talk to me. They're like, you're so wise. You seem so like such an old soul in my mind. I'm like, you have no idea what I've been through. I've had to put my big girl panties on and be there for myself. And I was also an only child for 20 years. So what happened was we confronted him that first time. And I remember when I found personal development, I met Brendan Bouchard. I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I was I was in real estate and I thought to myself, I'm on my way to becoming financially free. I'm in the process of opening up an office with my boss. I'm saving up for my second property. I'm going to be financially free in five years. I will go pursue my new dream of being a coach, speaker, and an author in five years' time. That five-year plan became two weeks. Wow. Because my soul was like dying being in real estate because I just knew that I had to do something else. And so I decided to sell my property. I decided to move to Bali. And I thought, what ends do I need to tie here in Australia before I leave? And I thought to myself, I still feel like there's a part of me that is in pain from what had happened. I feel like I had done so much work in that that decade. But I remember I thought to myself, if I want to make the impact that I want to make in this world, I need to have the integrity to face my own demons. So what's my biggest demon? Because if I can face my biggest demon, I can face all my other smaller demons. Yeah. And that biggest demon was, I want to forgive him for what he's done. How will I know if I've forgiven him? I will know because I can see him and not hate him. And I can see him and give him love because he's a human being. Mm. Just that. And I remember I decided to meet with him and I was literally shitting myself. I was in the car like shaking. And I remember we caught up for a couple hours and he Did he know up. why you guys were meeting up? No. Right. So you sprung it on him? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but I was really, really grateful that he decided to meet with me. Um, he ended up apologizing and it was so interesting because he said, wow, I've never admitted it before. And I was like, what? I'm like, what do you mean? Like everyone knows, our entire family knows. He says, I'd still never admit it to anyone. How old was he when he that happened? Uh, he was, so I was about four or five when it happened. He was probably an early teenager. Right. Do you think there's something yeah. like he... Well, so, everyone knew about it. He knew about it. He just didn't want to admit that he did it. Yes. It's so, it's so interesting because he's probably so young as well. Didn't even know what the fuck. Well, that's what, what else came out when we were talking. He said that he had been sexually abused. Right. So, he thought it was normal. And when I confronted him, he realized it wasn't. Mm. And I remember just sitting there speaking to him and just seeing him as this wounded human being. And I remember him saying that he's thought about coming to me and apologizing a few times, but... Um, he's seen me at the shops a few times with my mom's like giving him the biggest death stare. He's like, oh no, maybe I shouldn't go over and talk to her. And the thing is as well, when it first came out, when we first, when the, when the entire family found out what had happened, I knew that it had happened to my younger cousin who was a couple of years younger than me. And then when it came out, it real it, we realized it also happened to her sister. And now the thing is my two younger cousins they absolutely hate him. Like, mm. so they're, as much as I love them, they still play the victim. They 
They're like, oh, we fucking hate him. He ruined our life. They ran away from home, got pregnant really early, did drugs. Um, and they still hold so much hate and resentment. And something else that I've realized is when we are angry at someone, it doesn't hurt the other person. It hurts us. Mm-hmm. It's like mentor said to me one time, he's like, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's it's so much easier to blame other people for our problems instead of face you up and be like, you know what, I fucking created this and take a responsibility. Like, and I, it is a big jump to do that. Mm. Um, and it's the one that's also going to set you free. Yes, exactly. It's like when I, so my stepdad, so mum's husband, I had a huge fight with him when I was 19. I had my face split open at the time. I had oh, stitch, wow. stitches in my face because... I used to get in lots of fights and shit. I got smashed in the face with a block of wood. So I was having the weekend off of recovering. And we were sitting in the house and long story short, big fight happened with him. He's a, he's a 145 kilo Papua New Guinean guy. I was 55 kilos, <laughs> 19 year old boy. <laughs> and uh, so we, we had a big fight. It was crazy. And from that moment, because it was like domestic violence growing up and everything that I, I always sort of uh, didn't acknowledge. I was like, mm. it's not happening because I was just young and, and then, so when I actually realized that it was happening, I, I did something about it. And then I become the bad person in the family because I split everybody up, blah, blah, blah. Then I held on to this hate for so long. And when I was 19, I knew some people that could get some shit done. <laughs> and like all the people I was around was like, I had friends within the bikies and it was just crazy. And I literally had contacts and already spoken to somebody that could get him really fucked up for some money. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to my girlfriend's mom at the time. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. Fuck this guy. Like, I'm going to teach this guy. These guys got to learn a lesson. Um, you know, don't fuck with me and blah, 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 blah. She goes, yeah, you could do that. Or you could just go become really successful and let that be your revenge. <laughs> and I said, that's probably a better option. Right? <laughs> and so what happened was, so I got really focused on just like creating things, blah, blah, blah. And then I did all this self-development and he kept coming up as well. Like same as things as what you're talking about. And I was right before I was about to move to LA or move overseas when I was 23. And... I was. I said the same thing. I'm like, I need to go meet up with him. Actually, have a conversation with him. We went, we met up, and the greatest thing was to actually see him and not see hate anymore. Because that's what I've been doing. It's like I've been drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die for so long, thinking that this is actually going to help me be more successful and do more. But it's just carrying this hate, which is anger, which is some of the lowest vibrational, um, you know, vibes, right? Energy inside of us, and and we're having to let it go. Is 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 so freaking important. Um, what advice would you give somebody oh sorry and then what's happening now is everyone else in the family this event happened with me and him and i've moved past it everyone else in the family still hold on to this hate mm. and blame him blame him alone yeah i'm like guys do you forget who the fuck it actually happened <laughs> move on get over it like when, when yeah. they come over i'm like yeah i want to see him i want to catch up let's have dinner let's whatever no i don't want to see them i'm like man it's 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 crazy so What's your advice to people to help them kind of, because people are only going to change when they're ready to change. But for the people who are actually going, you know, I'm fed up and mm. perhaps they're listening and they're like, you know, I'm, I'm fed up of actually being angry all the time, yeah. blaming other people for my problems. And what's your advice to them to help them kind of finally take responsibility over that shit and, and perhaps heal past events? Mm. My boss in real estate said to me, he asked me this question. It completely changed my life. He said, would you rather be right and miserable or wrong and happy? Yeah. And as a young girl, I was so fixed on being right. I was so fixed on having my point of view. I was so fixed on this is how it should be that 
I was so unhappy because I wasn't willing to be open-minded. I wasn't willing to change my point of view. I wasn't willing to be wrong. And when I realized that I could be wrong and happy and I could be open-minded and I can let things go, I was able to tap into a different level of happiness that I didn't tap into before. So if you really want to be happy, are you willing to be wrong? Are you willing to put your ego aside for you to be happy? Mm, it's putting the ego. Is, yeah. <laughs> this is why I think like an environment is so important to be around for growth. Because mm-hmm. doing this sometimes on your own, it's it's very like you don't like you need some external checkers. That's why I like like being with a coach or being in group environments and stuff. It's it's important. Um, I want to chat about your business success and growth. So we were talking a little bit before this episode started, and you said it took seven years for you to hit six figures. Is that right? It did indeed. So. What did you learn in that seven years? Uh, Like how come it took seven years to hit six figures? It took seven years because I was incredibly stubborn and wanted to do it all myself. Oh. And if I had just gotten help sooner, it would not have taken me as long as it did. And something else that we discussed was burning the boats. Yeah. Not having a plan B. Yeah. Um, That's something I I love because... Like you only hear people say, people who've given up on their dreams say to you those things. Well, what's your plan B? It's yeah. like, motherfucker, why do I need a <laughs> why do I need a plan B when plan A I'm so fucking certain about? Because here's the thing. You don't if you're so certain about plan A and you've made that decision and you're gonna make that happen at all costs, then you don't need a plan B. Because like, you can have every single thing you want if you're willing to take the right action, seek feedback, get the right advice, right coaches, and keep going until you have it. There's, there's no option to, to fail. What was your resistance to getting a coach or learning the right skills or was it just not in your awareness? I think it was a bit of both. Um, par- partially, it wasn't in my awareness. I, I found personal development literally probably a month before I decided to become a coach. And also, I think I was just so in my ego. I think I just wanted to play the story of I'm going to figure it out myself. I'm going to bootstrap and I'm going to do everything for free and I'm going to figure it out. And when I started learning more about personal development and spirituality, I realized why am I trying to do it all myself? Like, Mm. why? How is that beneficial for me? I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm getting even more broke than I thought that I would. I wouldn't be. (laughs) You end up spending more money, more time, having more stress, more overwhelm. And then you feel even less confident when you try and save money and you try and do it all yourself. And I just thought, what am I doing? So, something needed to change. Yeah, because success breeds more success. Like like success breeds confidence and lack of success breeds lack of confidence. Um, So, that's that's a good. uh, I'm curious to know the whole conscious sales. So, talk to me about this. What's the difference between conscious sales and you've created that? How many do you? I have. The uh, Institute of Conscious Sales. Sales. Yeah. The Institute of Conscious Sales. So, explain to us what is the difference between that and normal sales and how did you you discover this? So, I define conscious sales as a heart-centered, integrity-driven approach to sales that empowers the individual to invest into themselves when it feels in alignment with their own values. So, the difference with that and traditional sales is traditional sales very much has a connotation around manipulation, being pushy, being a sleazy salesperson, uh, being a sleazy car salesman. So, my approach 
to conscious sales, which I believe isn't necessarily my approach. Every heart-centered ethical entrepreneur is already doing this. They just haven't Mm. termed it conscious sales. But what it is, is we're coming from a place of integrity. We're coming from a place of, okay, let's just get to know this person first. And I'm going to find out who you are. I'm going to deeply understand the, the position and the situation that you're in. And I, if you want, I will recommend what I feel could support you, whether it's me or whether it's not, whether it's someone else, I could refer you to someone else, but I am not going to have a preconceived idea and push my ideas and push my products and services onto someone when there is no want or need, let alone express to me that there is a want or a need for that. And you were telling me a little bit before about how you kind of discovered this by, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so it was, I was, I just turned 30 and I remember my little girl at the time was one. I was contracting and I was a struggling broke entrepreneur and I thought to myself, something has got to change and that was around the time that I decided to burn, burn my bridges and burn my boats and I was reading a lot of personal development, especially when it comes to money because I realized I had so many disempowering beliefs around money that I wasn't even aware of. And I was consuming a lot of T. Harvecker's books. And one of I the, love Harv. Me too. What's his other books? So he's got uh, Speed Wealth. It's probably one of the smallest but easiest books to read. Yeah. Um, Secrets of a Millionaire Mind is also really good. That's I went, my favorite. Yeah. So I went to Millionaire Mind Intensive. Same. That was my very first personal development. Oh, that's event. a great event and starter. Yeah. Was that in Singapore? No, it was in Sydney. I was here. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, so I was reading a couple of T. Harv Eker's books and one of the things that he mentioned was you need to find your overlap between your unique value and the marketplace. And I thought to myself, there's something that I'm not communicating in the marketplace. There's something about what I do that's not landing for people. And as as you know, I'm sure you know, Morgan, the more you focus on something and the more attention you put onto something, the more you activate your reticular activating system, right? So you automatically start to come up with the answers simply by putting the attention and the time and asking those quality questions. Mm. And there was one night in bed and it just hit me. I thought, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I do. I, I teach conscious sales. I help entrepreneurs make sales in a very conscious way. And that way I was able to bring all of my experience from real estate into the industry that I had fallen in love with into the personal development and entrepreneurial industry. Right. So this is, okay. So do you know the questions you ask yourself? Because this is kind of people listening to this. There's so many people that are knowing they're like on that edge as well, you know, and they're like, I want to do this. I know what I'm good at. I know what I like doing. I know what I, what it kind of looks like, but it's that integration of yeah. it. So you took what you're good at, what you liked, and you brought it into the business that you wanted to go into, which you knew was, was speaking and, and coaching. So what were the questions you asked yourself? First and foremost, I think it was a mindset. So before I came up with the questions, my mindset was, I'm doing everything. Why is nothing working? Again, the victim mentality, right? I feel like I'm doing everything. Why is nothing working? I keep reading all these books and nothing's changing. And I realized that that mindset's not helping me. I love what Einstein says. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I thought to myself, if I want a different result, I need to do something differently. I need to think differently. You can't solve a problem in the same level of thinking that created it. Mm. And so I thought, 
okay, what if for a moment I just assume that I don't know everything? <laughs> Imagine what would happen. <laughs> and I remember I thought to myself, okay, so let's say there is something I'm not doing because clearly if I, if I knew it, I would, I would be doing it. There's something that I'm, I don't know and there's something that I'm not doing. And I thought to myself, I'm just going to shift my attention from looking for it rather than complaining about the fact that I don't already have it. So focusing on what you want versus what you don't have. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds so simple and yet it was so profound. <laughs> and I remember I thought, okay, so what if I just keep doing the work and I keep looking for it? And the question that I kept thinking about was, what is it that I'm not implementing and what is it that I am that I what is the level of thinking that I haven't yet adopted? So that's what I was looking for when I was reading all of these books when I was listening to wealth 20, 30 minutes a day, I was also doing hypnosis every single day as well. And so over time, I think I was doing it for about six to 12 months before it really landed. And a lot of the questions I was asking myself was, where is my value that I can provide in the marketplace, which will allow me to reach as many people as possible and make the biggest impact? Because money is just a result of the impact that we make. Mm -hmm. When a lot of coaches come to me and, and they complain about why they're not making enough money, I ask them, how, well, how much value are you putting into the marketplace? And they're like, oh, I'm posting. That's not enough. Yeah. You're not putting enough value into the marketplace. And it's one of the things that made me think, I just need to keep putting more value, more value, more value. And something that I, I had the mindset of when I was in real estate, because I had the highest commission in real estate, I would charge the highest commission but it's because I knew that I would give more than everybody else. So I knew that it was worth it. And I remember I thought to myself, why am I worthy of this higher 3.5% as opposed to 2.5%? And I thought to myself, because I know that if I give 10 times more than what I'm receiving, then in my own integrity, I'm, I'm giving a lot already. And what I'm receiving is only a portion of what I'm giving. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I'm not doing that in my business. I'm not giving 10 times more than what I want to receive. I'm giving it and I'm expecting to receive. I'm giving a little bit and expecting to receive 10 times more. But the law of reciprocity is for every receiver, there is a giver. For every giver, there is a receiver. And we cannot necessarily control the flow of what comes in, but we can control what comes out. So in order for me to receive more, I need to give more value. And something that I neglected for a while was I need to give to myself so that it's natural and easy for me to want to give. Because I see a lot of people give, but when they give, they're coming from a place of scarcity. They're coming from a place of, oh, I'm going to give so I can get. Yeah. But when we give from a place of overflow, we can give and give and give and give and give and be unattached to where it comes back and then eventually it comes back. What were some things you did to give to yourself first? Anything and everything I, I felt like doing. So it could be as simple as reading a book, right? It doesn't even need to cost anything. A lot so of people- giving time. Yeah, yeah. Just doing anything that makes me feel good. I, I speak to a lot of people about self-care. They said, oh, I don't have the money. I want to get a massage and I don't have the money for it. And I said, it doesn't have to be this grand thing that costs a lot of money. You can go for a walk on the beach. You can meditate. You can journal. Go and read a book that you've wanted to read for so long just take the time for yourself that most people just don't do yeah i i, I did learn that one quite a while ago because i was doing the same thing it's like give 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 but i wasn't giving anything to me which mm -hmm. was actually telling the universe that i'm not ready to receive yes so if i can't give it to myself yet 
then it's sort of saying, say, okay, we're going to give it to everybody else. Because like you're not ready to even give to yourself, so you're not ready to receive anything. Because mm. like how we do one thing is how we do everything. Yep. So practicing with those little things, and I love that. And it's kind of like yeah, like if you're visualizing like a cup, it's like giving to yourself first, filling it up, and then once you're like so full, yeah. it, it's amazing to be able to give back and and know it's not stressing you out financially or time or physically and and all this. So and from a sales perspective, we do not want to buy from people that are needy. Yeah. And when your cup is not full, you come across as needy. And a lot of people are doing that. Like, I'm sure that all of us have had messages on social media with people pitching us right off the bat. Hey, thanks so much for adding me. Like my page. Hey, thanks so much. Add yourself to my group. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Like, let's build a relationship first. People are just going straight to trying to get in bed. And they're not even doing any foreplay. Yeah, you need some foreplay. Yeah. You need a couple dates. Yeah. Or at least just like one nice date. <laughs> tell, tell me a little bit about your book, The Naked You. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I would say I was disappointed that you came in with clothes on. I was very <laughs> misleading information there saying the, say, the naked coach. I thought we could have something really special on this show today. Well, we did say it was cold in this room. So, <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about The Naked You, A Guide to Embracing Your Imperfections in Life and Business. Yes. So the reason why I'm naked on the front cover, there's a couple reasons. One, I believe it was a hot day. <laughs> it wasn't actually. <laughs> I was freezing. Um, the first reason is I I have found that through being vulnerable, it allows us to really deeply connect and really love who we are. Especially with the history of me being sexually abused, I spent years not being vulnerable. I spent years keeping people at arm's distance. I spent years doing what I thought would keep me safe as opposed to allowing my heart to be open and really connecting with people. And I found that through being able to hold space for myself first and foremost, regardless of who I share my story to, regardless of who I'm in front of, regardless of how they receive me or don't receive me, I know how to hold myself. But if I'm not vulnerable, I cannot build those really heart felt connections. I won't be able to feel truly loved and accepted because no one knows who I am if I'm not showing them who I am. And so that's a reason, one of the reasons why I'm naked on the front cover. I think it embodies vulnerability. And the second reason is it's marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so what can people kind of expect? From, and when is this out? Um, hopefully before the end of the year, before the end of 2021. Cool. And Do you want to give us a little bit about what can people sort of get from it? Yes. So I do talk a lot about life and business in the book. My business is a big part of my life. However, I do believe that if we do not learn to love ourselves with who we are as an individual, it's going to come across in our business. I feel like I built a social media following and I built my business because of who I was first and foremost, because people knew who I was, because people looked up to me, because people were inspired by me. And so one of the things that I think we're getting quite sick of in today's society and in social media is we always see everyone's perfect side. Mm -hmm. We see the photoshopped photos, we see all the inspiration, especially people like us who have only amazing, inspiring people on our social media. But that's also not reality. Reality is there's going to be light and shade. There's going to be darkness. There's going to be shadows, but there's also going to be joy. And I find that 
what I know I crave is I crave that humanity. I crave that. Why are you just the same as me? Because I believe that we're inspired by people who we see is just like us. But when we see someone and we think, oh, no, they're too perfect. I could never be like them. As Dee Martini says, we put them on a pedestal and then we can never be at that level. And then we devalue ourselves. But when we can see that we're all the same and we can see and be willing to share our vulnerabilities, I feel that's when I have a deep respect and love for people. When I when I think to myself, wow, I love that they could just be them. I love that they could just be raw. I love that they're not too concerned about looking perfect all the time, that they're keeping people at arm's distance. The times when I'm connecting with people and my heart just completely opens not that it doesn't happen in this situation, but the times that it really, really does is when they, I really feel like I can see their heart. Mm. I really feel like I can, I, I think to myself, wow, there's this just amazing human being in front of me and they're so willing to be open and to love regardless of how I respond or regardless of how they're going to be received. And I just think that that's so beautiful. And so I talk about a lot of those themes. I talk about imperfection. I talk about values. Uh, I interviewed John Martini for my book. So he's going to be in there as well. Uh, we talk about business, we talk about money, we talk about wealth, we talk about impact, contribution. Um, what was that? Imposter syndrome. That's a big yeah. one as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's really sick. I can't wait to see that come out. Um, Nina, this has been amazing having you on here. It's been fun to hang out. Uh, where can everybody follow you and find you on social media? Yes. So I've got Facebook, um, facebook.com forward slash Nina the Naked Coach or Nina Karen Concepcion for my business page. I've also got Instagram, Nina the Naked Coach. Uh, and um, my book is at ni- uh, the Naked Coach. No, not the Naked Coach. The Naked You Book.com. I love it. Okay. And to wrap this interview up, I've got one final question for yes. you. Are you ready? <laughs> it's going to be a ridiculous question, I can tell. <laughs> no. Come on, who do you think I am? Okay. <clears throat> if you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give her 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? Be yourself. Love yourself. And learn to see the humanity in other people. Thank you so much for listening. And if you got value from this episode, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 20 seconds of your time, leave me a five-star rating and written review, then screenshot this episode and share it to your story and make sure you tag me for that shout out. And until next time, guys, go out there and dream out loud.